Chapter 1. Mad Max. Oh, we're on the same website. On October... Yeah, wikipedia.com. On October 28th, Kalawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawawaw
I I understand what you're saying, but part two or season two, please, Stranger Things two. Stranger, I don't even like calling it that. It's just the second season of a show. Stranger Things two. It's the second season of a show. We're just gonna keep talking about it. Awakenings. That's not what it was called. Oh. Arguments aside, let's get into the discussion of the season. Yes, please. Yes. And so, uh, let's just start out with a general question. Was it good or bad? Uh, that is a tough question to answer that I would... Oh, I don't even know if I want to tackle that one out the gate. Maybe that's a question we posit at the top of the episode to answer at the end. Kind of like closing a book. Ah, closing a book or writing a good essay. Yes. Well, never do that, but yes. No, always in an essay. What you should do is you should end your first paragraph that asks a question, answer in the final paragraph, but begin the final paragraph by saying, in conclusion. No, that is terrible advice. Always, always, always do that. So that's the question we'll be tackling. Was it good or not? And you might be thinking, what? I love Stranger Things. The second season was the bomb. It was the bee's knees. Well, my little dear listener, all I have to say is, just because you like the season one doesn't mean season two is going to be great. I mean, that's one thing that you always have to look out for for what you consume is, do the ideas that I gelled with that worked for me during the previous season, do I just blindly enjoy those, or do I look at each season critically? And that's what we hope to do here today. Yeah, so we're putting our biases aside... And we're going to critically analyze whether or not Stranger Things Season 2 was a good or a bad. And I have an option for you, Henry. Oh, God. So do you want to tackle this in the form of a chronological rundown of the series? Or do you want to do it, as we've done other supplemental readings, kind of by characters and moments out of order? I mean, I think we could go either way. Yeah, but I'm posing the option to you. Let's go for the first time ever chronologically through the season because we both have a web page open up to the wikipedia page and that is how the information we we have before us is organized switching it up switching it up plus you know this came out in october mm-hmm. so i haven't watched it it's been it's been a, it's been a while since i've watched this a whole two months yeah if you want to posit it like that well two months rounding up Anyway, anyway, shall we start with chapter one of season two? Chapter one of Stranger Things 2? Hit me with it. It's called Mad Max. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't think we necessarily need to do like an episode synopsis for people. No, they've already seen it. They've watched it. But for the folks at home, this is the episode that introduces Max. Yes, as well as other characters. Uh, Bob? Yes, it introduces Bob. So three kind of major, well, four major changes take place in the first episode or two of the show. Uh, you've got Max, which is the an addition to the party from the original Stranger Things. You've got Bob, who is... Uh, Inexplicably, like, he has worked his way into the, the, the Briar family. Yeah, like, <laughs> jo- Joyce Byers and uh, Sean Astin, who plays Bob. Uh, incredible romance right from the top. Hated it. In the first episode, I could not stand Bob. I hated Bob. It was one of those things where it was like, you know, your your mom comes home with her boy, her new boyfriend, and it's kind of like, wait, 
who is this guy? Why is he sitting in my dad's chair? Mm-hmm. This is, oh, this is icky. This is wrong. Why Why is this happening to us? Yeah, definitely in the first few episodes where Bob appears, he plays the character of the safe man, which is never a character that you like. Yeah. You, you never like the safety choice. Well, and it's also like, I, I get that they were trying to cement the fact that time has passed in this world. But, like, for the viewer, the last thing we saw was the Byer family eating a Christmas dinner. There was no Bob. Now, all of a sudden, you want me to buy a Bob? You want me to swallow down a Bob that he's, he's been there for months? And he's, like, gelling a little bit with the family? I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, he, he seemed like a weird transplant. And then you have the new overseer of the Hawkins lab. Yes, the new doctor. Dr. Smiley is what I called him. Oh, what's his real name? I have no idea. I'm wondering if it's in here somewhere. But he was uh, representing a new face of the Hawkins lab, which is definitely a welcome change from the previous season's uh, hilariously evil organization. Yeah, I mean, he he, he tries to put a friendly face on the organization. All that made me do when I was watching it was question whether or not he was sincere or not. And I think maybe one of the best ways that we can couch our discussion of this is to keep referring back to these new characters, because I think that all of them are most emblematic of the new season. Most importantly, uh, the most divisive of them all is Kali. Oh, Kali, yes. Uh, experiment number eight or whatever. Yeah, number... Number eight, we know very little about her in this first episode. We know that she collapses something on some cop cars. But did and she's, she? She's got a gang. But did she actually collapse anything? At this point in the series, we're led to believe that we she did. We don't know. You guys know because you've watched it. All right, so just from this first episode, things I liked. Things I liked, things that stood out. I like that we don't like Bob right away. Yes. I I don't think we're supposed to like Bob right away. I don't think we're supposed to... In this series, where so much is presented to us as one thing, like in season one, there's an electric company. Yeah, okay. It turned out to be a secret lab. So in just in that same manner, it's like we're presented with these new things. There's a Bob. There's a new doctor. Like We're trying to figure out who to trust, and I think the Duffer brothers do a good job of laying out some intrigue in this first episode. Like, who who's this new girl in the arcade? Who is this new doctor? We've got strangers in Stranger Things. And for a series that relies so much on this feeling of at-homeness, this kind of comfortable nostalgia, it's, it's very possible that introducing new characters could create huge amounts of pushback. And, uh... Uh, for it did for some of them, uh, for sure. Oh, also it introduces another new character, which is is it Billy? Is that his name? Oh, the the brother, yeah, Billy? Max's brother. I think his name is Billy. That sounds about right. Played by Dacre, played by the Red Power Ranger from the latest Power Ranger movie. Played by the Red Power Ranger, and let me tell you something about Billy. Great. You liked Billy. I love Billy from the get go. From the from the get go, Billy is so good. Okay. Billy's characterization from the second he steps onto your TV screen is perfect. All right. He is... I disagree. What's wrong with Billy? He's too mean. Well, exactly. Like, I feel... I feel like what happened was they had uh, the first season where they had Steve... Who was... Who was the... Who was a bully. And who I f- was the bully, yeah. I feel like they were going to make 
Steve Billy. They were going to make Steve an unrepentant 80s bully, but Joe Keery brought a certain kind of vulnerability to it, so they ended up making Steve sympathetic. Like, and Billy was not that. We'd already seen Steve kind of redeem himself at the end of season one with the, the spiked baseball bat to the Demi Gordon face. So, like, in that in, in that way, and, and, like, he ends up with Nancy on the sweaters. Like, we know he's a good guy, or, like, he's at least trying to start to become a good guy. Mm-hmm. So, the, the way that ecosystems work is, if you take the alpha predator out of the picture, a new one comes in. Mm-hmm. So, so Billy's introduction to the town is just sort of a natural progression. And he plays his role well. I just don't like his character. Oh, his character's garbage. He's always shirtless and wet and, and menacing in kind of a sexual way, which is great. <laughs> his, his angry face is a few degrees away from just like a pouty face. Yeah. A, a pouty scorn. He's so shitty. So, oh. so shitty. And one more new character... Is oh, it, there's five? ...is at least mentioned. Oh. The investigator, or the investigative journalist... Yes, okay. ...whose name is Bauman? Yes, Murray Bauman. Murray Bauman. And he comes into play later. He comes into play later, but he his name popping around kind of kicks things off in this first episode, in which not, not much actually happens. Uh, the first episode, it... Number one... Something that I think is true of this whole season is that character-wise, the first episode kind of sets up, and this is something that I did not like so much about the second season, that the Byers family is not going to be portrayed as fully or intricately as they were in the first season, kind of whatsoever. How do you mean? Because uh, Joyce Byers is this great, strong, harried woman who will do anything to help her son, and is just generally this great character in the first season. And the second season, she's just kind of like a nervous lady. Like, she never has great moments of characterization until the very end. Because they they never... I mean, they challenge her with things, but every time they challenge her, she just kind of falls apart. And I feel like the writing for her is a lot worse. I feel like Will is a great character for fascinating reasons that are never explored, which is horrible things have happened and continue to happen to Will that don't get addressed as thoroughly as they should. Yeah. One thing, a problem I did have with this season is that Will just can't catch a break. Yeah, no, Will can't catch a break whatsoever. Horrible things have happened to Will. Horrible. (laughs) And then worse things happen this time. Yeah. I mean, if you think about where season one left us off with Will vomiting a slug into his bathroom and being temporarily transported into the stranger, not the stranger world, the upside down, uh, we knew something was going to be up, but I thought it was a side effect of like him going through this experience. I thought it was like a new power. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's straight up like a weakness. Yeah. It's not good at all. It's... This, the thing is targeting him and pulling him into the Upside Down so he could get, it could get into his body and come into the real world. That's sickening. I really, really thought that the inversion that was going to happen 
Especially when they're in the arcade in the first episode and Will sees a vision of the Upside Down with the Mind Flayer in the sky. Yeah. I really thought the inversion would be that Will has a special ability to like see into the Upside Down or is in some way a connection to that place. So they take the traumatic experience from the first season and turn it into a traumatizing but useful thing. And that's kind of what happens at great personal cost to Will. Yeah, I mean, I, I think how this universe works, if the universe can work, is that in order to gain any sort of strength, you have to suffer. Yeah. If you think about what happened to Eleven and what happened to Callie, mm-hmm. what they went through, they've got great power now, but they have definitely gave up their childhood, they gave up learning about the real world, any sense of normalcy... And so I guess now Will is sort of going through the same thing. However, at the end of at the end of the season, I think he's lost all of his power. He's he's powerless. I, I don't understand how his sort of arc is is traveling. That's a a huge concern that I have about the second season and how it will be viewed going into the future. Is the second season is very well regarded, but I think that by and large, character arcs were a lot less satisfying and didn't make as much sense and didn't really transport anyone where they needed to go well in some cases people did go interesting places but for the most part character arcs were just like they go up and then they just land wherever yeah and and it might be because since they're calling this stranger things 2 it you know the the inclination they're not calling it season two. They're they're calling it a sequel, is to take it as a wholesale package deal. Mm-hmm. But it's really just this is season two of a TV show. So maybe they're building up to something more mm-hmm. that it will be res- like maybe like we're, we we have our character arcs going up and just landing somewhere because later that that's the new starting point for somewhere else. Hopefully. I mean, when you have something that's so peerless as the first season where every character's arc was so perfect, and then you have season two where it just seems haphazard, then I, I worry about what season three is going to do. But if they're if they're guaranteed to have like four or five seasons, which is how long they said they want the show to be, then I'm sure that they have something planned, I guess. Yeah, I feel like that I feel like this is where you make the first season not knowing you're gonna make the second. And now that you got the second, you make the second banking on getting the third. Yeah. And, and so, like, they're doing sort of the natural things. If you're going to make a sequel, go bigger, of course. Uh, instead of just one wall with lights on it, now it's the entire house with a map mm-hmm. over it. You know, exploding things a little bit bigger. Instead of one demigorgon, there's now thousands of little demigorgons just to show, like... Oh, you know that thing that you struggled so hard against in the first one? Mm-hmm. Well, now they're everywhere. Good luck. Yeah. Um, there was a, there was someone I was listening to at one point. I said a trap that people get into when they make sequels is they're, ah, just make it bigger, badder, and more badass. And I feel like Stranger Things Season 2 kind of did that. It, it did. It did in a major way by introducing this centralized figure of the Mind Flayer. Mm-hmm. Which, like, what the fuck, like... What's the Mind Flayer's arc? What's the... Okay. So the Demogorgon was cool because it was an unknowable creature that was facilitated in its existence in our world by an evil corporation. 
This is just a weird gas spider in the sky that I guess wants to take over or destroy the world and is never defeated and is just kind of there. And what are the limitations of its power? What does it do? What what a terrible villain. One of the great things that made the Demigorgon so... what's How do you describe like the ability to be feared? Um, Fearable. Scary. Scary. One of the things that made the Demigorgon so scary was that it acted like a normal creature. Mm -hmm. It it tore into our world to hunt. Yeah. It it killed to feed itself. And in that way, it was a little bit predictable, but there was also like this wolf-like quality of of something more primal. Yeah. The the Mind Flayer... We don't know its motivations. We we can barely wrap our head around its actions. It, it it inhabits will to try to get to our world, but to what end? We don't to destroy the corporation or to what is it trying? It was like encircling the town with a tunnel. I don't. Yeah, it's unknowable at this point because we don't know anything about it. Even though they could talk to it. Yeah, the the thing that the thing that really annoyed me about the Mind Flayer being the central antagonist of this season is you can identify with a show whose antagonist is just magic and essentially all powerful. Yeah, I mean then you're boiling it down, you're boiling the main conflict down to a battle of good versus evil, good being like our continued way of life, not even from like a moralistic or righteous standpoint, just we would like to keep living the way we live. And evil being this overwhelming, threatening force that threatens to upheave that life. Mm-hmm. So, so like a hurricane. My issue is you can't understand a Demogorgon's motivations totally other than it's an animal and it has certain abilities and it's creepy and it's crazy. But when you have something like the Mind Flayer that has no motivations and there's no parallel in reality to that, there's, there's nothing facilitating its existence, then it, it's tough to rally behind it it's tough for it to be a meaningful conflict because sure they close that giant portal at the end mind flares on the other side can't get through but like they sh- what was accomplished they show him looming over the high school anyway yep and, and i mean i read into it but i i think presumably trying to observe l mm-hmm. because l is the one who stood in its way yeah or maybe it really just has a thing for will and it's like I want that boy body back. I want that will back. Give me that will body. <laughs> and this body's all gaseous and spider-like. <laughs> people people looked at me like they liked me when I was in will. I I just uh, that's one of the things that super annoyed me about this season is the primary antagonist. And, and that's a that's a pretty big part of the overall season. I feel like Billy was a bigger antagonist than the monster. I I feel like what this season did well was the human aspect of everything. Mm -hmm. These characters, they're they're getting in conflicts, they're bumping into each other, like, we're having more time with them, and of course, more time equals more possible conflicts that don't stem from a supernatural gas spider. Yes. So, like, adding Max, Max... into the the stranger kids gang sort of a predictable beat but yeah. she's a girl mm-hmm. these are four guys mm-hmm. they're getting into that middle school age where hey look girls are girls now not yeah. icky gross gash spiders in the sky and I, I feel like max was a great addition max hands down is my favorite stranger kid yeah because because i mean they're great actors but kids they're they're, they're portraying kid kids like yeah. actual kids so like yeah, Mike is a little whiny, 
Missy person who's missing his friend. I get it. Lucas feels overshadowed a bit. Mm-hmm. Dustin isn't as is, 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 is basically only child with a with teeth. Yeah, they all annoy me. Yes, Max is the only one who's like, "Hey, uh, I'm here to help," and also I help better than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, Max. Max rules. I'm a big fan of Max. My only complaint about Max is that she's trying to create a, a class in D and D, like a Zoomer. I mean, that's perfect kid behavior. No. It's perfect kid behavior because she doesn't know, but she's like, she's like, oh, it's make-believe, so like, I'm gonna make a thing up. No, Max, there are rules in place. Uh, Yeah, if anything, she's the ranger. Ranger? Okay, I could see that, because she zooms around on a Mm -hmm. skateboard. Yep. I was thinking, like, some type of class that rides a horse. Oh, the horseman. A paladin? Do paladins ride horses? They ride their god. (laughs) All night long. But no, I, I feel like Max sort of brings the common sense angle. Mm-hmm. And, and we do get a little fish out of water with her where it's like, here, let me explain the story. And she's like, if you're just going to lie to me. Yeah. At least she was like, that's a really good story. I'm leaving now because why? Yeah, this is ridiculous. Also, she's good at video games. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's better. I feel like she could beat Dragon Slayer. And Dragon Slayer is tough. I know. It's the original quick time event. Don Bluth. Don Bluth. He did the art. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I'm thinking as we talk about this, I think I, I gave you a figure for how much I enjoyed the season before. Yeah. But the more I think about it, I think of uh, credible downsides to almost everything I like about this season. So I'm reevaluating as we're talking about it. I mean, that that's part of what talking about things on a critical... Because I, I, I sort of set up to try to... There was a, there's a, there's a bluff here. Mm. I asked that question... Is it good or bad at the beginning of the podcast to make people think that we didn't like it? Oh. And that one might make them listen because they're like, wait, I liked it. And so they would listen. to. But I I was actually trying to get you to think that you actually liked it. You're a real bluffer, brother. (laughs) Anyway, uh, two things real quick. Well, I I was going to. Fine, go. There were more. I was to focus on the human aspect. Yes. You know, dealing with Bob, we get the whole new kind of dad figure in that family. We get Billy coming in to challenge the... We, it's like all of these beats that we've seen before, mm-hmm. but like now we're experiencing them with characters that we've grown to like in the previous season. Yeah. So we care about these 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 kind of played out beats a little bit more because we don't know what's going to happen to them, to the characters we like. Yeah, because if, if Stranger Things was an anthology series where every season was a different vignette, then, you know, no hold barred, anything can happen, it's hard to become invested. But now that we're invested in these characters, I found myself caring way more about their interactions with their real human lives than their interactions with this weird space spider. The supernatural things, they do, t- of course, take over the importance as the season goes on. But I, half, more than half of this season is is more of this like this human side to the point where like th- there was a, a a remark between my girlfriend and I when we were watching this we thought maybe Max and Billy didn't have parents or something. Uh huh. But even like in like almost the final chapter we meet Billy and Max's parents and we learn why Billy is such a prick. Yeah. Because he's just passing down what his his dad his actual dad beats into him which i mean as an idea i guess that's okay but i feel like it was almost trying to justify his behavior by showing that his dad's a prick and that's not 
totally how that works. I don't know. That seemed weird. I appreciate that his dad was a prick, but if his dad was a prick and then he showed any amount of remorse or extra characterization after that, that's fine. But for his dad to be a prick, then just him continue to be a shitty person, that just robs you of the satisfaction of him getting knocked out. Yeah, I mean, Billy is more movie villain Mm -hmm. than he is, like, person at this point. Yeah. I feel like going forward, we might learn more about him as a person. I'd love for Billy to stay a bully, but just to evolve as a person as a bully. Maybe he picks on Max a little less now, not because he finds her threatening, but he finally realizes that she's going through the same shit that he's going through. Oh, and we're not even talking about one of the most important human elements, how Nancy is a garbage fire. How Nancy is a garbage, garbage, garbage person. How Nancy is an awful, awful person this entire season and is beyond redemption. Wait, 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 wait. Name one, one... One bad thing that Nancy... Name one. Oh, let's see. Um, how about getting super wasted at a party and breaking up with your super cool supportive boyfriend? Okay, name two. Come on, I dare you. How about, how about meeting with your supporting boyfriend in an alley, never officially defining that your relationship is over, and then going to sleep with your stalker? Okay, three. Name Three bad things that Nancy, that What's-Her-Face does. Uh, how about when, in the end, when her and Steve are, like, picking over parts, she refuses to acknowledge that the relationship is over and leaves him to end it and never tells him. Who's him? Uh, Steve. Oh. Yeah, never tells Steve that the relationship is over, puts the ball in his court to end it, never dissolves the relationship. I don't believe ever tells him about Jonathan. Nancy's awful. Nancy was awful in the first season and was kind of okay, and now Nancy's just garbage. And dancing with somebody at the snowball doesn't make you a good person. That's not a redemptive arc. However... You don't spend... Listen. You don't spend the entire season driving a character into the mud with shitty, shitty decisions that they make to fuck over decent people, and then they dance with a child, and you're like, nah, I guess they're okay now. I hate Nancy. I hate hate nancy however yes it is nancy who puts together what it means to water down the vodka and release a fake news story to get the the telephone company the electric company in trouble even though they're good guys now Whoops. oh boy what a sleuth what what a sleuth man i sure am glad that she got that she got drunk and slept with a weird stalker and then did that it sounds like you're very team steve i'm very team steve listen we talked about this when we talked about the first season one of the coolest things about the first season of stranger things is that it ends with like a super 80s love triangle being turned into three understanding people who understand that they all have limitations romantically and emotionally and Jonathan's okay with it and Steve has turned around and Nancy's happy with Steve that's unheard of wait 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 it turns out Jonathan was not okay with it oh boy great she only waited a month yeah great before getting with Steve yeah so what if he had he, he just got his brother back he doesn't have time to process 
all these emotions. Maybe he liked Nancy the whole time, but only acted okay with it because he was just glad his brother was back from hell. Well, I sure am glad that he slept with her, feeling like she was still in a relationship then. What great characters. What? what? You're just trying to see. See, this is why the Duffer brothers have nailed it. <laughs> yep. People are bad. <laughs> yeah, if if they if the thesis statement they had going into this is like we want to show people that sometimes people are just shit. <laughs> A plus <laughs> nailed it on the character is great man geniuses on the storyboard underneath Stranger Things. There's just in quotes people are shit and it has a little attributation attributing to. To the Duffer brothers, both of them. It's like uh, we want to have we want to have these like character flowcharts for Nancy and Steve. Uh, it, it says Nancy right here, and says Steve, and you just draw two arrows into a pile of shit, and that's where their characters go. No, no, Steve does Not great. Not Steve, Jonathan. 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 Nancy and Jonathan, right here, just do 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 pile of shit. Look, say what you will about Nancy Wheeler. I remembered her name. However. Because of her actions, we get the best version of Steve Harrington we could ever hope for. Oh yeah, like once once Steve gets that shackle off his neck, Steve's great. Like, Steve is so much better without her. So much. So be- fuck Nancy. <laughs> because she's a if she were a if she were a better better person. A better character? I yeah. think her character is actually pretty well done. Yeah, it's really well done for a character who's bad. Yeah, that's fine. Characters yeah. can be bad. So so if she were a better person, however, she would still be with Steve. Steve would not become the leader of the babysitter club, the best mom on the show. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't get these great moments between Dustin and Steve, like one of the greatest pairs on the earth. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't get, in my prediction, we would not get... Deputy Steve in season three. That's what I'm calling it now. I mean, that would be fine. Uh, I just look forward to uh, Steve's uh, relationship with Winona Ryder. <laughs> that's <laughs> As not, new, new Bob. That's not going to happen. They're, uh, they're clearly pushing. There are clearly some forces there mm-hmm. already in work. Yes. Between Hopper. Yep. And Will. <laughs> oh, and Winona Whoa. Ryder. And when, I don't yeah. I did it a joke. Yeah, I, a see. Joke. I see. Hopper and Winona Ryder. I mean, obviously. Of course. Because, like... Hopper and Steve. Because one of the things with the Bob, introducing Bob and dropping him into this family, was like, well, what about Hopper? And then suddenly, like, Hopper and, and Winona Ryder's character, has they have a scene together. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, ooh, what, what, what if? But then it's like, here comes Bob in the way. <laughs> but, but then, Bob dies. Yeah, Bob eats it. Well, that it was, eats Bob. Uh, actually, that was very heartbroken because by that time, by whenever, but by, by, by the time Bob dies, I actually liked him. Yeah, no, Bob. Le- okay, so we just talked about the shittiest character arcs for the shittiest people. Now let's talk about the best character arc for Bob. For Bob. Bob, who is probably too too good for this world. Yeah, Bob is uh, unbelievably skilled, somehow only works for Radio Shack. And He's Bob's a- initial character, the initial characterization of Bob 
is horrible. And yeah. He, no, his characterization is great. Y- you hate his character because he's the kind of person who's like overly protective of his camcorder and like tries to mansplain how to zoom in or mansplain technological things. He's not. And tries to overparent to Will. He's not mansplaining those things. He's the only one in this world who knows how a camera works. <laughs> yeah, but when you're trying to plug things in, he's not like, oh, well, adjust the uh, RC. It's like, just tell her what colors to plug into what colors, you idiot. He's not looking at it. He's, he doesn't need to explain this, the he, history. He is so steeped in his work. Yes. That he can only refer to... Why am I defending them? I, uh, I love the thing about... I love that Radio Shacks in the 80s were just... You just answer a phone under a sign that says Radio Shack. Well, yeah. People didn't know what a radio was yet. Anyway. Yeah, but by the time Bob eats it... Mm-hmm. Or it eats Bob. Yes. I don't know why, but he, maybe it was because he tried so hard to connect with Will that even though his, his advice was exactly what got Will in trouble in the first place, I, maybe it was because he was so genuine. Like I kept looking for an ulterior motive, and I think he was just he was just in love. You had a you had a genuine stepdad arc with Bob where you start hating him because he overparents and he's not who you want. But then he you slowly realize that he genuinely cares and is genuinely trying to make the situation work and genuinely cares for Joyce quite a bit. Yeah. And he's also very skilled and very helpful and is instrumental to the conclusion of the story. I mean, he knows he knows how to code Unix and way know. too fast. What do you mean? Uh, he did you see him code? He was like, Brrr. it looked like it looked like the Matrix. I think you're underestimating how much Bob knew about computers. The last time I tried to code in BASIC, it was not Bob fast. Oh well, see, maybe that's why he coded too fast. That's why he deserved to die. No, no, I. Of course, the Duffer brothers do the thing where it's like, oh, he looks like he's safe. Oh, that was very emotionally manipulative. That was In mean. a way that nothing in the first season was. No, at no point in the first season or, or any point in the second season do they do that sigh of relief attack thing. Yeah, it was, it was a huge fake out. It was... I mean, it shocked me, so fucking congratulations, Duffer A and Duffer B, but yeah, like, I really didn't... I don't enjoy being emotionally manipulated by TV shows. It did like a Game of Thrones thing. Kinda. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, it just, it felt cheap. Yeah, it was it was extremely cheap in a season that had been full of earned personal moments. Yeah. There, then that happened. There are two moments I didn't like. That was one of them. Yes. The second one was the entire episode, The Lost Sister. Oh, episode Sister. seven? No. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Here's, okay. How many, a, ep- how many episodes are there of this show? Uh, of the show in its entirety? No, of, of this season. There's nine episodes? There are nine episodes. The best this show can possibly score is an eight out of nine. Yeah. Because one-ninth of it is reprehensible. And I've actually, I've heard, uh, they've talked about it, the Duffer Brothers have talked about this episode, and they basically said, hey, yeah, we're we're throwing a lot of things at the wall, sometimes uh, one of them doesn't stick. Yeah, but when so many things have kind of stuck... This one was repelled by the wall. Yeah, this is like they were they were testing like pieces of spaghetti. This one hit the wall, bounced off the wall so hard it broke a window and choked a bird to death. Yeah, it, it it's a very problematic episode. I like L traveling. I liked her seeing her mother. Yes, to a degree, I like her meeting Callie. Mm-hmm. But oh, Callie would be a fine 
addition as a character if her entire episode and arc wasn't awful. Yeah, the whole, I don't know, this this killing people who were involved and living in a warehouse somehow and being criminals. Mm -hmm. It was, it it was trying to feel like, like a, I guess a, a heist movie or like a, a grunge sort of, like, capture a little bit of the grunginess of the 80s. I feel like they were definitely trying to be an 80s punk movie. Yeah. And and they took a lot of, like, camera tricks and kind of lighting tricks out of that bag from the 80s. We're like, you know, we want to make everything look dingy and overrun and almost post-apocalyptic. We want... It was an homage to that stuff, but it was the worst homage. Because here's the thing. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more after this because i feel like there will be a segue but the duffer brothers in this season particularly in this episode were so slavishly attuned to an 80s aesthetic that they lost the ability to make good things okay they were like oh we want this to be an homage not we want this to be an homage and to be good yeah because that's what the entire first season was was we want to pay homage to the things that we love and we want to make it uh progressive and interesting and new whereas episode seven is we want to pay homage to the things that we love and i guess we'll write a story around it oh my god the writing in that episode is so bad there was a moment when i was watching it where I could predict what characters were going to say. When when Elle walks into the warehouse the first time, and that dude with the mohawk walks up, I looked at my girlfriend and I said, well, look what we have here. And he said, well, look what we have here. Yeah, I, I mean, when you're, when you're so fueled by nostalgia, you have, yeah, you run the, li- the risk. Like, it's a very thin line of paying homage and just sort of, or straight, Taking, literally reproducing what inspired you in the first place. And I feel, in this case, we're watching an imitation. Yeah, I mean, that's the... We've talked about this on Zero Credits before, and I think we talked about it during the first Stranger Things uh, supplemental reading, where when you are making an homage to something, you always have to be aware of metatextualism. Because if you make an episode and the only things to be enjoyed are how it references another text, it's not worth consuming. Yeah, and whereas the first season of Stranger Things was so good because it it used nostalgia as a fuel to create something original, in this case, in this one episode, this is Chapter 7, The Lost Sister, the fuel overtakes the originality, and all you're left with is, like, vaguely British-sounding punks who have no motivation other than they all help Callie track down people to- Why are they helping her? Why- God, this episode sucks- You know why? What skills do they have? You know another reason why this episode sucks? Why? It completely welches Eleven's arc through using her powers at the end. Because she uses her powers in a bigger, more tangible way than we've ever seen through focusing her anger. And then at the end of the episode, it flashes back to that, but flashes to her interactions with her father figure but it's all over the place it's like is she is she angry is it a bad thing that she's using the anger like we don't get a clear message of where she's getting her inspiration from if that's a good thing what lessons to be learned or even what her arc to that point has been yeah and and like just just a note like we've seen someone who can move things with their mind use anger to fuel their powers it created darth vader yeah and akira 
and Akira from that Japanese anime no well, one watched. Well, it didn't create... Well, it, did it create Akira? It created Tets... Well, it made Tetsuo a monster. Anger did, or just psychic powers? Psychic powers and anger, because, yeah. Hey, maybe we're gonna go full Akira. Maybe L is the spider monster. I mean, that would be great. I, that would be unexpected. But what's wrong with this episode echoes through this whole season. Like, over and over again, the stuff that disappointed me about this whole season was the Duffer Brothers slavishly being 80s and not trying to make something that is good. I mean, I feel like they already captured the aesthetics and the setting. I feel like they could have just let the characters live without trying to, to pinpoint exact 80s-ism. Mm-hmm. And they would have been fine. Like, so many moments, just, they were supposed to be big moments. Mm-hmm. Elle going to the snowball? Yeah. That was something Mike promised her in season one. Yep. That, I did not remember that. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't remember that, or or maybe because of the treatment of the scene of Elle showing up, it didn't feel like a, a victory. It just felt like a nice moment, but not a monumental moment. And the snowball is maybe where a lot of their dedication to just recreating moments from 80s movies upset me the most. Yeah. Because I liked the snowball and watching it in the moment, you know, I got emotional, it was enjoyable, but... So much of what happens at the snowball kind of undersells what all the characters have been through. It's like, oh, these two characters are dancing, or oh, these two characters are kissing, just because these are like carbon copies of scenes that would happen in 80s movies. These these don't do justice to the journeys these characters have had. Yeah, I mean, it's like, hey, you saved the world, and at the end of it, here's here's a wedding. Yeah. And we've seen it, but like, we gotta let people remember, oh, this is a comedy, it mm-hmm. ends with a good event. It ends yeah. with a party. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like the first one, we ended with a nice family dinner. The first family dinner the buyers have had in years. Yeah, a return to normalcy. Yeah, and, and that felt, even though it was just the three of them, it felt momentous. Yeah. It was like, this is a nice, happy, safe moment. Mm-hmm. And then we get the slugs thrown at us to, to, to twist that knife. Yep. And this one, they kind of do the same thing. Here's a nice, happy moment. Doesn't feel as momentous. Mm-hmm. But then he, they try to twist that knife again with the, the gas spider monster in the sky. Yeah, it's like, oh, what a surprise. It's still there. We knew that. I, I know, because we didn't, did, did, Elle didn't destroy it. She just sealed up the scar. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still out there. It's still going to affect Elle. Mm-hmm. It's still, Elle's going to be the bad guy because it probably goes through anger waves and, like, rides the anger waves into her. Anger waves. I'm following you. I'm just making stuff up at this point. But yeah, I feel like I feel like season three they need to just focus on these characters and let's let's not transition to a new fad. You know, we went from D and D to video games to try to capture the the spirit of the era or whatever. But I feel like just that cha- that one change between like for the party for the Stranger Kids kind of is endemic of the rest of the thing where they're like, let's capture all these other 80s things. It's like, no, you've done it. You got the aesthetic down. Now just focus on the plot and the characters. Yeah, you've done everything we want to feel nostalgic. Just make a good show. Uh, Also, season three is going to be breakdancing. Oh, God. So go from D&D to video games to breakdancing. Well, that that might fit what I've heard. I've heard there's going to be a time skip. Oh, good. Because the, the, I don't know if you know this about kid actors. They become expensive. Well, no, they grow up faster than regular actors. Oh. I mean, the, these kids, they're portraying, I don't know, but they're nearing like 15, 16, and they're portraying like 12-year-olds. Yep. So, they can't keep that up. 
Nah, they can't. All right, so I think we need to we need to we need to render some judgments. Can I make one more point? Yeah, sure. One more point of about course. the snowball. Yeah. Here's the point about the snowball. Will's journey has been in a horrible alternate universe. Comes back, throws up a slug, has uh, basically PTSD, has flashbacks, has visions of this place, gets taken over by a horrible monster, awful, awful stuff happens to Will, falls into a coma, becomes a conduit for a monster, gets his mind taken over, gets burned with a red-hot poker, goes to the snowball, dances with a character we've never seen before, like he's okay. Well, maybe he's Will just... shouldn't have even been there. He should have been in therapy. Return to normalcy, John. What if going to the snowball is part of his off-screen therapy, and that girl was a paid plant by his therapist... Yeah, it, I, I feel like that moment would be stronger if we knew who that girl was. Oh, yeah, no, I I feel like Will gets sold up the river like he's just a, a vector for bad stuff to happen, and he didn't get anything he wanted because he never had time to want anything other than to stop being in pain from monsters. Maybe this next... Uh, I said this after the first season, but maybe this next season... Will can go on an adventure instead of being the adventure. I pray to God the next season is just Will sitting in a recliner watching cartoons for the whole season because he's earned it. What if they release a Christmas episode and it's just it's Will watching Christmas <laughs> Christmas shows? That'd be great. No, I, I would love that. I would love some normalcy for Will. Oh, uh, well, too bad, because I've got it on good authority that that girl he danced with was a Dimmy girl. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah the, when when he went in for the kiss, she was like... <laughs> just, you know, flower face. Yep. Her face just peeled back to reveal rows and rows of teeth yep that's it that's how it goes that's, that's how, how it goes that's yeah how it went. that's actually that's how season one starts and then <laughs> then will is written out of it he's dead now <laughs> oh great and, and I that's know. the only place he can go he's <laughs> dead <laughs> <laughs> well i mean hopefully maybe he needs to hang out with the steve the only way for this to get worse season three starts and joyce like packs his backpack puts on like have fun school walks in the street gets Fucking nailed by a car. Just a normal... A normal everyday car. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't do that. Uh, well, I feel, I feel like it's time to render some judgments, John. Yes. Favorite characters. Favorite characters. Ooh, that's a tough one. Okay, well, let's limit it to one favorite character between the two of us. Oh, okay. Can I have a tie? What if we both say the same character? We're not going to say the same character. Oh, I knew it. You like the Gash of Spider. Yes, it's my favorite. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll start with my favorite character. Oh, I was going to say, we say it on three. Okay. 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 Because we didn't, we didn't even talk about... Oh yes, my gosh. I, I know... We didn't even talk about... But who? Hopper. <laughs> yeah, this whole episode... Or eleven, really. We forgot their entire arc. I remembered it. There was just, there just wasn't time to talk about it. It was good, maybe because it was so good. Like I feel like the scenes between Hopper and Levin are some of the strongest scenes in the series. I feel like we've had kind of a negative bent, and it's been hard to pull out of that and be like, "Hey, Hopper and Levin had really good scenes." That scene where they fight in the cabin over like her going out for trick or treating. Amazing. Also, apparently, largely, all the stuff that was, like, telekinesis around, I guess, was planned. But her, like, slamming a door and, like, pushing stuff over, totally improvised. Wow, she did a great job. Yeah, I'll, I'll, portions of the fight between her and Hopper were improvised on both of their parts. They got really worked up for it. It was, it was awesome. Both of them 
That relationship was yeah, great. That relationship is my favorite character. So I guess in season two, uh, my favorite characters on the show continue to be Hopper and Eleven, but that's not what we're going to talk about because we did not include that in the discussion. Well, yeah, so they win automatically, uh, but he, who's our second favorite character? Yes. Okay, so we'll say it on three, two, one, go. I gotta think of a new one now. Okay. All right, three, three two, two, one, Billy. Steve. Why? Because Billy's great. No, no, no Billy's your such favorite a, character cannot be Billy. Billy. Is such a good character. No, let me let me give you a scene. No, there's a scene where I believe "Hungry Like the Wolf" is playing, oh or God. or a song by Poison, and he's working out by curling a barbell and smoking a cigarette. He's so good. He's a bad guy. But he's a great character. He beats Steve yeah. to a bloody mess. No, it's it's great. No. I love Steve. No, you don't. I love Steve. You want to see Steve get bullied by Billy. One of I, I really liked that he beat Steve up so badly because it, it solidified the stakes of human violence in the world. Alright. Really well. Billy is great. I loved every scene that Billy was in because he portrayed that character perfectly except walking it back. Did not like the scene where he was seducing the housewife because that felt creepy because I was like, hey, if the roles were reversed, this wouldn't be cool. Uh, whatever. That was another slavish commitment to the 80s. We're like, ah, oh, hot teen seducing a 40-year-old lady. Wah. I don't know. I didn't like that. But Billy's still my favorite character. Steve. Sell Steve. I had to defend Billy. I had to sell Steve? Yeah, tell me why Steve... Sh- I mean, I love Steve. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, a, I'm a thousand percent team uh, Steve. Uh, yes? Let me walk you through this, John. Okay. Uh, Dustin, uh-huh. trying to get in contact with anyone, finds Steve. Says, yes. let's go. Steve goes, for one, mm-hmm. to listen, and then he gets on board with it. Yep. And Steve then, is... And then... And then... Yes? He gives Dustin hair tips. Uh, in in season one and season two, Steve proves to be the most onboardable person on the planet. Because in season one, they're like, uh, Demogorgon, Demogorgon, here's a bat, let's go. And he's like, all right. He's the best stranger kid. He is. I know I said Max was, but that was the... their subsets. Yeah. He's the old... and the older... Stranger teen. He's the best stranger teen. With a bullet. With a bullet. Well, with a bat. A bat with spikes in it. Which he kept. I uh, he was, kept. Wasn't there a scene where he's like, you still get that bat? What bat? You know what bat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I mean... Uh, I don't... Steve. Steve was great. He... he knows... How much he relents. He's like, Nancy, you should go with the buyers because I already lost this fight. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to watch the kids. You don't have to stay. Like, he know he... Mm. Steve is the most emotionally complete character on that show, basically. Yeah. Steve knows what he wants. Uh, sometimes people don't give it to him. But Steve is okay. He even drives Dustin to the snowball. Yep. And gives him amazing, an amazing do. Yeah. It's... Yeah. And you like Billy. No, no, no. I, I feel like we're encountering a classic yin and yang scenario. No. Where you like the most emotionally complete and complex character, and I like the least emotional, but intentionally so. Billy is intentionally shitty, and he is so good at being intentionally shitty. Oh my god. Remember... Hold on. Remember when they were playing, like, pickup basketball, and he was shirtless and wet for some reason, and, like, a weird necklace, and was rubbing his body, and so he was like, I heard you're the boss 
around this school. Well, I'm the boss now. He's so bad. He's he probably smells like um, ivory soap and cigarettes. Oh, I can't believe oh what God, I'm hearing. Billy's you're, so you're good. Gushing over. Billy's so good. Billy. I can't stay Steve because Steve was my favorite from last season. And you can't have carryovers. You can't. That's a rule now. Yep. Oh. I just he treats Max so poorly. No, he does. He he's tries so, to run over the kids. He's so awful. He's got like a demon in him. He's a I, demon. I love good villains, and he's a great villain. I just um, um, he hits him with that plate. I don't even remember what I was going to ask next. Oh, we can we can cool off our emotions. I was going to say like least favorite character. Yeah, that makes sense. Least favorite character. Uh, least favorite character. I think we can do it on three. Okay, three. <laughs> Two, one. one. Billy. Oh, what? Oh, so you you dislike the great characterization of Billy more than you dislike just the. I just want to hurt you, John. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait. Wait. Um, my actual least favorite character. I don't remember Axel. Axel. I hate Axel. What's Axel? Axel's the skinny. Oh, like limey. Oh wait. Hold on. Put that one away. Put him away? Does he I'll not count as a gonna, character? There's gonna be a third category. Okay, okay, wait, hold on. Let me, then let me think of another one. Yeah. Um, I didn't like, I didn't like Bauman. Yeah. He was skeezy. He was super gross and he was trying to get teens to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, he was skeezy and he, he made me think he had a camera in one of the rooms. Yeah, he was super gross, but, but also that line with how was the pullout? Very funny. <laughs> Yeah, I can't deny that. But he's probably used that line before. (laughs) The last time he tried to get teens to fool? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like... Look, I feel like Bauman's pad is a teen fuck dad. Oh, God. No wonder he's like, never come back here, because I might have some (laughs) other teens. I just have... I just take sexually frustrated people in. I nurture them. (laughs) And then I release them. He's... He's a horny teen sanctuary. Oh, that's terrible. And then, of course, Callie for the reasons yeah. that was she? Does she have a British accent? I guess. No, she's terrible. So I have a third category. What's your third category? Okay, number one. Uh, we're gonna do three, two, one. Favorite member of Callie's gang. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I don't remember his name. Uh, three. three. Two, Two, one. The fun big size. black guy. Yep. Okay, yeah. <laughs> fun size. It's fun size or fun shine. One of the two. Uh, he is a uh, really well known bodybuilder. Oh, cool! And he's a great character. I liked him because he talked the least. Yes, but when he did talk, it was pretty good. But the, he also fits the the trope of the big guy is the big oh. silent guy. Oh yeah, no, he's not a good character. But of the choices, he's my favorite. Did he drive? He was the driver. I don't know. And now we're going to go into <laughs> the next category. Yeah. Least favorite member of Callie's gang. Three, Three two, two, one. Callie. <laughs> Wait, we can pick Callie? No, I, like, I, hate, I, I don't like Axel more. No, Axel is the worst written one. I don't even... Was there a lady? I, here's the thing. There was a, the eyes. I, uh, she, I watched... No, that's the real I thing. Watched, she was the lookout. She I had, watched Blade Runner... The same day that I watched a lot of this show, and I keep forgetting if I'm imagining there being a character that was the the female replicant from Blade Runner. Like, crazy, wild white hair, no? No? I seriously don't care or remember, and fuck that episode. There was one... She watched out the window and had eyes. Yeah, fuck that episode. There was one that played poker? Sure. 
with fun size. I really hate that episode. None of them had powers. Yeah, what's their... Uh, I really hate that episode What's a lot. their deal was this question you were going to ask. <laughs> yeah. All right. Most favorable moment that you liked. Favorite moment? That's what I said. Uh, oh boy, this is a, this is a toughie. Let's say... We can't do a three, two, one on this because it's no, like a it'd be sentence. too long. But let's 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 the lightning round. We gotta we gotta gotta book it. We gotta book it through the lightning round. Uh, oh boy. You this know, is... I, I asked this question. I don't. No. Let's skip this. No, I've got my favorite moment. Oh dang it! Uh, so you know what my favorite moment was? What? Uh, the interrogation of Will. Oh, oh. When they were in the, the shack. Yeah, it's a good moment. Uh. Fuck, fucking Oscar-worthy performances all around. Yeah, especially by the little kid. Yeah, um, Will. Will, not Will. I mean, Will was good, but um, Will okay. Mike, 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 Mike had a really good performance when he was talking about like when he first met Will, and that was really well acted, really emotional. I, I, I dug it. I love that they gave all these characters this opportunity to really flex their acting skills. That felt like a really big D and D moment. How so? Well, it's like, oh, you get, you get to talk about all these backstories that we didn't actually get to see. Yeah. No, no, but I mean it in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's exactly, it's like, oh, let's fight it off with our memories or whatever. I think that was, that's a good pick for favorite moment. And you, when Bob comes over with all his puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> when was that? Will's feeling sick. So Bob comes over with all his puzzles, and he's like, I thought these would cheer you up. And he's just got, like, a Rubik's Cube and a bunch of little puzzles, and it's just like... Mm, Aw, Bob. Bob. Poor Bob. <laughs> Rest in- Bob was too pure for that universe. Oh, he was, by far, and too smart. Yeah. He's probably the smartest one that's been on the show. Yeah, Bob so- Bob was very smart because oh, we need to solve this. Like, I love puzzles. <laughs> well, see, he, they, that's when they introduced that he loved puzzles because yeah. he brought over all of these puzzles. <laughs> I, I wonder if they were like, oh, this character's going to solve a puzzle. How do we establish that he has some <laughs> propensity for solving puzzles? Like, oh, then they fucking dump a box of Rubik's Cubes in his head. Like, Just say puzzles a lot. <laughs> Just walk in the scene and be like, Apostles! Apostles! <laughs> if we were writing it, that's how we would do it. But yeah. the Duffer brothers... Yeah. They they're s- deft hands. They saw a film where somebody could solve puzzles, and then they put it into this. Yep. Alright, least favorite moment. Least favorite, oh boy. Least favorite from a character standpoint, or just least favorite from... The least favorite thing that you had happen. Least favorite thing that I had happen. I got it. What is it? Uh, when Nancy and Jonathan fucked. Okay. Really hated that. Really kind of cemented both of their characters as emotional opportunists. And I, I will I will go a little bit earlier, but when Nancy is drunk at the party... <sighs> and then the, the ensuing conversation, which was Why just like... Why did she even get drunk out of anger? Because they weren't focusing on Barb. Oh, grew fucking great. Barb's dead. Get Why over it. Why are we partying when Barb is dead? Well, thank God Barb's on the fucking ground. Barb's parents are selling their house so that they could pay the skeezy teen guy who gets... gets the- <laughs> Why aren't we focusing on Barb, the friend I left alone? Maybe it's guilt. The entire time was guilt because she's a bad person. Why was... Good. Barb should have just gone home. Yeah. Or... I don't know. I'm glad Barb's buried because now Nancy can get over it just like everyone else can fucking get over it because Barb's fucking dead. Who cares about Barb? Barb is dead. (laughs) He might have gone. 
Barb a, is dead. A step over. Get over it. My least favorite thing is Barb. <laughs> she wasn't in this season. I don't care. I hate Barb. You might have gone a step too far okay, there. Okay, fine. Sorry. I'm thinking dis- about Nancy and becoming angry. <laughs> All right. Fucking Barb. I feel like it's time to render the final judgment. Okay. Oh, no. Remember, I asked you a question at the top of the episode. Yep. What was that question? Is Stranger Things Season 2 good or bad? That's the question I asked. Oh, boy. Do we have to answer that? I'll I'll give you my answer. Yes. It was good. Okay. It had problems. But overall, I think the good outshines the bad. That is... That's totally fine. As an answer. Yeah. I know you might disagree, but I I just... Think of, like, the moments that we talk about with such glee. Mm Mm-hmm. And then think about the moments that you talk about with such hatred. You only have that much hatred because the good parts are so good. Yeah. If it's... this if this were bad overall, you wouldn't you wouldn't have these critical of thoughts about it. I wouldn't if it was bad, I wouldn't care. Exactly. Uh I know it's not bad, but I don't know if I want to blanketly call it good. Because there are huge storytelling problems that I have with it that I can't tell if they're just a product of being an ongoing thing that's going to resolve these in season three, or if they're just really haphazardly throwing things at a wall by their own admission and kind of ruining a lot of the characters that we've come to empathize with. I'd say it's somewhere between good and bad. Okay. And and it might be, just like the second Hobbit movie, you won't be able to determine if it's good or not until you see the third Hobbit movie, which, when you see it upon realization, you realize the only good Hobbit movie was the first half of the first Hobbit movie, and you should just skip the series altogether. Oh, it takes too long to figure that out. <laughs> well, it took three movies over three years. That's a lot of wasted time. I wonder if uh, Stranger Things Season 3 will have a battle of five armies. Uh, maybe. maybe. Name the five armies. Uh, Dustin? Yes. One army all by himself. He's got an army of uh, demo demo dogs. Yeah, yeah. He, Him and Dartimus mm-hmm. are coming back strong. So their parallels would be the wolves being one army in Lord of the Rings, the Battle of the Five, in The Hobbit, yeah, the Five Armies. Yeah, sure, sure. No, they were... J.R. Tolkien said I, the wolves are a faction. I, I trust you. Okay. All right, the second army? Yes. Is Steve and every other kid in the in the show. Okay, so that's the... Elves. That's the elves. Yeah. Third army is Hopper by himself. So dwarves? It would probably be Hopper and, like, the Briar family. I feel like that's a, that's a yeah. good faction. Or Hopper and the police. Just everyone no. casts their badge aside. No. The, have you seen the police force? <laughs> You're they right. suck. It's just Hopper and Eleven. They're Hopper an and Eleven, yeah. They're okay. an army in and of themselves. I'm good with that. Briars can be with Steve and the Stranger Kids. A uh, fourth army is probably Billy. Okay. And so that's it, the wait. And his and his crony doesn't he have like <laughs> guys behind him? Uh, he doesn't. I don't think he has hehe <laughs> guys. Oh, never mind. No, I think I think he becomes hehe <laughs> buddies with Steve's old shitty friends. I'm not sure. That might be. And then uh, the last army. Is, uh, this, one of the armies just gets completely killed in that, right? Yeah. Okay, that's Callie. <laughs> okay. And her king, and they, they get killed. Like, so it's all of the protagonist out. against Billy <laughs> and Callie. No, I thought you, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it is. Perfect. It's three on all, two. what if... 
I Hold forgot. On. What if Dustin with the What if Dustin turns evil? Yeah, Dustin is actually the spider. Evil Dustin. I forgot, forgot to mention that. Evil Dustin with smoky Dr. Octopus arms. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, fine. I think once the time skip happens, then and Mike Wolfhard gets back from doing it. Yes. Is he's not he's not going to be in the second it, is he? Because it's it's Yeah, they skip forward into another time skip casualty, which I'm just looking forward to the time skip happening in Stranger Things because okay, as we've established, Stranger Things t- season 3 opens with Will getting hit by a bus. And then it goes, do, 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 do. And then it, it does a Stranger Things thing. And that shows uh, Nancy being lowered into her grave. Oh my god. They're not going to kill off two major characters in the first few scenes just because you, you don't... You don't like Nancy. <laughs> Look, they just, they kill Nancy off screen. That's not gonna happen, I'm sorry. Okay, fine. And, and the time skip thing, I just want to reiterate, is a rumor I read. I don't know if it's real. It'd be cool, though. Yeah, let me just add time skip to this uh, Google search, and and there are no news. Oh, wait, here it is. From Screen Ranch. Screen Rant. Screen Ranch. Stranger Things 3 will make a significant time jump. Um, where, what? There's, I think there's an interview with the person who plays Lucas. It will have to be somewhat of a time gap because the kids are, I mean, they already t- look so much older, no matter what we want to do. I remember. Oh, so just based off of one interview with one kid, bogus. Yeah, I don't think, okay, so now that we've corroborated that it was, I don't feel like that's a thing. Okay, so what I want you to do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna whirl up the, uh, the the John News machine and what you do is it's a machine where you throw a news article or a rumor into it and it gives you the status of it how the 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 the, the validity of it here you go Stranger Things season three will have a significant time jump cling cling clong bogus hey you heard it here first folks the John News Machine was John it? News Machine. The John News Machine has made that claim a bogus. It's 100% bogus. Factory approved. And I feel like with the knowledge that that's a bogus rumor, we can head off into the night having... Did we do... We did it proud, right? We, we did this, yeah, we I did feel this like, supplemental I feel like, reading proud. I feel like we did it proud. We brought all of our feelings to bear. I, I do want to remark, at the top of the episode, we agreed on an organizational structure of... Oh, we, we did not follow that. <laughs> supplemental reading will do what supplemental reading will do. Almost immediately we abandoned it. Have we that little self-control? Hey, we summarized episode one, and that's the big one, I guess. I guess... I guess. Wow. Anyway, episode two. If you want to share your thoughts about Stranger Things 2, you can get in contact us with us with social medias. Can we... Nope. Okay. We're rolling. Social medias like Twitter.com, where you can send us a tweet 
at ZCPCWHJ, and that stands for John. Oh, that stands for hold on, hold on, hold Wait, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was trying to bring up the stranger thing. It's fine. That's right. And if you want to send us something longer, like an email, you can send us an email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Send us your essays, send us your messages, and send us your sausages. And you can also get in contact with us on Facebook.com by searching for Zero Credits Podcast in that Facebook search bar, where you'll find our page where you can find the latest updates of whatever the hell we're doing. And also, we we sometimes stream video games on Twitch. That's true-ish. Twitch.tv slash Zero Credits is the name of that URL that you could go to and check out to see if we're doing the video games. And as always... Yes, and as always... Uh, of course, there's iTunes where you can rate and review and subscribe to us. I know, I know, I know. And also, please... I got it! I have it all in my head, Johnny! Does not trust me. Please tell your friends about our show. Use your word of mouth to to talk about our podcast. Just drop it in any conversation. I already said it. Just drop it in any conversation. People could be like, hey, how you doing? Gotta wrap it up. How you doing on the street? And you'd be like, zero credits and walk away. Make them Google it themselves. Make it relatable. (laughs) So just tell people about our show. And I think that wraps up the social media. I feel like I nailed it. I feel like you nailed it uh, to an acceptable degree. All right. And uh, with that, so concludes another Zero Credit Supplemental Reading. I have been John. And I have been Henry. And we will see you in the Upside Downy place. I'm a spider, I'm a spider, I'm a spider. Isn't that Twilight Zone? It is. Oh, no!